0: Welcome back to the Digital Dive Podcast, a conversation about tech. My name is Darsh. I am one of your hosts.
1: My name is Jacqueline. I'm your other host. In this week's episode, we're talking about Facebook VR glasses, an Amazon robot warehouse, some Fitbit stuff, the new Apple MacBook Pro 13 inch. The initial reviews are in. We're going to tell you about the deal, and then one other special topic to end off the episode.
0: If you like what you hear this episode, guys, make sure to hit that follow button on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and make sure you get notified of every episode that you hear, and it helps us grow this show and send it out to even more people. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Let's roll the intro.
1: Okay, so you were in here last week, Darsh. I did a solo episode, and I got to be honest, I did a solo episode on almost no sleep. That was like the worst recording experience I've had thus far in the last two and a half years. So I'm really excited that you're back.
0: Honestly, I'm happy to be back. I wish I could have been here last week, but I had a had a family event I had to be at, so I was unable to be here. But I am now back. I am also a little under the weather, so I do apologize if my voice gets a little raspy. But uh, (laughs) we'll uh, we'll get into this episode with some cool stuff, and we'll start out here with Facebook. I don't know Jacqueline if you've seen this, but well, at least. You probably have heard a little bit about um, Meta and Metaverse and how Facebook would like to be the forefront of said Metaverse. So effectively what it is is that Facebook has been spending a lot of money on research and development for virtual reality and augmented reality technology. So they're expected to spend at least $10 billion this coming year. And now what's actually interesting about this is that we're actually seeing some prototypes now coming out, the different VR and AR headsets that are going to be available. So. There's a couple of them, and Jack and I don't know if you've if you've seen this article yet, but they're actually under different names. Like they're quite interesting. Like we have Butterscotch, Half Dome 3, Hollow Cake 2, Starburst. <laughs> like it just sounds like a set of candies that we're never gonna get.
1: It's weird. Why do these naming titles? Honestly. It seems weird.
0: See, I, I don't get it, but I I guess we'll we'll see kind of we'll explain it a little bit and see how it kind of goes. So Butterscotch is designed to test higher resolution displays that have pixels small enough the human eye can't tell them apart. So, the idea behind this would literally be the highest quality screen performance. And then, the half dome technology is set to offer like resolution image quality that could improve enough for users to create a giant computer monitor inside a headset to work on. So, it would be less of like actually being in an environment, it would be more like multiple monitors that you're working on inside of the headset.
1: And that obviously the the mission of that is like to make it feel as real as possible. Yeah. Which I think is like the main issue that a lot of people have with VR headsets, right? Is like that you could tell that it's not real. Did you see Ryan Trahan's video on the metaverse?
0: No, I didn't actually.
1: Okay. So basically for anyone that doesn't know Ryan Trahan, I'm going to talk about him and the stuff we like this week, but he's like, Changing the platform, incredible creator, but he did a video where he spent a hundred days in the metaverse, and he's an Oculus VR headset. And like the resolution, you can very clearly tell it's not as good as real life or anywhere near it. So this obviously would be a big step if it happens. But I guess like, and I don't think either of us have the answer to this. But just to go back to it, I wonder why the names are like sweet, like food, like related to food.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't necessarily know that the Starburst one is meant more for high dynamic range. Which I guess I kind of get like Starburst maybe like because it's full of like Starburst are a bunch of colorful things. So if they're looking on looking for HDR and better HDR here, then maybe the Starburst is kind of implying for better color and color accuracy in the headset. Okay. But it also happens to be like, these are all prototypes. Like these are all things that like we don't know if we're actually going to come out yet. And there was a set of goggles that were all showcased on like a wall that uh, Meta has been kind of playing around with. And then actually funny enough, Hollow Cake 2, I don't know why this one would be called holocake, Cake, but it's pretty much the, th- the thinnest, lightest VR headset the company has made thus far. And apparently it's fully capable of running VR software if it's hooked up to a PC, but it requires specialized lasers. that tend to be a little bit too expensive for consumers as a whole. So like, we don't know if we're actually going to see any of these in actual production, but it's cool to see Facebook actually giving it a shot and trying to explore the metaverse a little bit more and create consumer accessible products that we'd actually be able to use and like enter the metaverse.
1: With. You know, I will say though, a lot of investors are pretty skeptical. Like for example, Meta stock fell 53% this year because they have growing expenses and they're kind of moving away from their core business of ads and apps. And then also obviously the new update from Apple's privacy and like oh, not allowing trackable advertising outside of the app. Yeah. I think the thing is a lot of companies are really taking this bet on like the fact that the metaverse is going to be a thing. I don't think that that is a net positive for society in general. Like I think spending more and more of our time, like I've noticed for me, Darsh, that I have a direct relationship with how happy I am and how much time I'm spending on my phone. And it's like an inverse relationship. Like if I'm on my phone for hours every day with social media, like I can actually tell how happy I'm going to be that day. Like I feel much better when I'm on social media, a lot less. And so I think like the idea of the metaverse to me is a little bit scary. I think there are certain things that are exciting about it, but in general, I think it's a little bit scary.
0: No, and and that's fair too. Like we spend so much time on our phones on a daily basis and, and for some, yeah, like I feel like for you, the way you're describing it, like it becomes a very happy kind of interaction when you have that opportunity to, to get on your phone and like, like kind of just be active on your phone a bit. Oh no, I'm saying
1: the opposite. Like I feel worse when I'm on my phone.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I was going to go that route too. I thought you were going the opposite in which I was going to recognize and be like, well, there are people who do find happiness (laughs) from just being on social media. But like, honestly, my TikTok for you page has become like incredibly depressing to a point where I don't want to spend any time on TikTok anymore.
1: That is fascinating. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, that's what I was saying is like, I have an inverse relationship. So like the more time I spend on my phone, the less happy I am. Ah, Maybe that's a direct relationship. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't even know. You know, math is never my strong suit. No, 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 you're
0: good, you're good. Like, like I think that kind of makes sense, and I, I actually fully agree with that too. Like, if I sit on my phone, the only thing I get out of going on TikTok now is like motivation to go to the gym. Like, that's pretty much it.
1: Honestly, I would love that. My TikTok page is not that at all. Like, I have to actively seek that out on social media platforms. But yeah, I, I just, I feel like even if like the content on social media isn't like depressing, just the act of like scrolling mindlessly on your phone, like I don't know, it's just I feel like it's just not good for us. In a broad way, I think like social media is awesome in small doses, but yeah, the idea of like having a headset on your face that looks exactly like reality and is as high resolution as that, like, is very scary to me.
0: Yeah, it is very scary because, like, you're also looking at it like this, right? When you're on like TikTok or you're on any of these like very short form content, like website and, and just honestly, any content website, that dopamine hit isn't the same as like what an actual feeling of accomplishment is. Like, totally. I, I find like it, it's like, um, uh, it's it's like uh it's the same way that you would feel like a dopamine hit from, I don't know, using any recreational substance, for example. Like it's not like actually a proper dopamine hit. It's something that's kind of just been chemically changed in your head to make you believe that it's a dopamine hit. But when you actually get that feeling of accomplishment, like that actually sets you up for your day. So we're living off of these these half I guess baked dopamine hits that aren't actually improving us or making us feel that much better and so we're kind of delaying and not really looking for actual like accomplishment we're looking just for this like fake synthesized feeling of accomplishment which shouldn't actually be the case if that makes sense and that's why for me i feel shitty cuz if i if i'm on my phone scrolling mindlessly yeah sure it's entertaining but after maybe like 20 30 minutes i'm like wow i just wasted 20 30 minutes just scrolling on tiktok
1: yeah i mean that's i think like a huge like genuinely a huge deal like th- there's just there's a point where i forget um i saw this quote somewhere i don't, I don't remember what it was but it was basically the idea, idea that like dopamine is not inherently good or bad but like the activity that causes it is the thing that defines if it's good or bad so like social media dopamine is actually bad for you because it's like overstimulating and then it makes it harder to like focus on anything and then like dopamine that comes from like being around like family or friends or like accomplishing something is like good dopamine and it feels fulfilling i don't know especially this past week i've noticed like i've just spent way too much time on my phone And I feel much worse because of it. Like I'm having a lot more trouble focusing on things that aren't interesting to me. And so, I don't know, we've, we've gone off the rails here a little bit, but the idea of like the metaverse in general, I think is amazing for certain things, like getting able to experience, like, let's say someone's disabled or something, being able to experience going to a location and like, obviously it's not the same, but like seeing it in that way or for doctors or people that are training to be like pilots, like that type of stuff is great. But I think like, I hope that our social interactions don't become just like metaverse interactions.
0: Well, that's the thing with everything becoming so automated, right? It becomes harder and harder for us to actually get those in-person interactions or like actually feeling those dopamine hits. Like for example, with automation kind of going even further now, like we're looking at Amazon warehouses, which pretty much have autonomous, like fully autonomous mobile warehouse robots that are now going to be implemented into these different warehouses uh, across like Amazon's warehouse base.
1: That's crazy. And that was also a flawless transition. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Very impressive. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about this.
0: So Amazon pretty much has implemented a fully autonomous mobile robot in their warehouses. So what we can see here is pretty much like a Roomba looking device. So it's, it's on two wheels and it has like a couple of different wheels on it so you can like maneuver around the facility better. But what is actually pretty cool about it in my eyes is the way that it goes underneath these giant crates, Amazon boxes that need to be delivered. And it carries them and moves them from place to place so that all of these boxes are constantly being moved and constantly moving on to the next stage of being shipped out. So these robots will be doing all of that kind of work. And then on top of that, they also have like, it's this scanless tech for package identifying. So pretty much you're putting these packages in this set of, I guess, like a bookshelf almost. And it's like scanless where it'll figure out what it is and where it's supposed to go. And it will mark it so that in the system, it knows where it is, like in the warehouse.
1: Wow. That's crazy, actually.
0: So it looks like Amazon is kind of trying to take out some of the employee aspects of their warehouses and starting to actually implement more autonomous features, which I mean is good and bad. Like, I don't know, Jacqueline, if you've heard about any of this, but like when Amazon goes into a new city to try to build a warehouse, their biggest selling factor is look how many jobs will this, like this will create. Like that's their selling point to the city where it's like, look how many jobs we're going to have. We're going to be able to offer with actual products like this and devices like this. I don't know if we're going to necessarily have that much more to offer.
1: That's actually really fascinating because I think... You're right. Like when they do pitch cities, that is the main thing. And I think also there has been a lot of pushback from Amazon employees in the warehouse of like working conditions and fair pay and all these other things. And so obviously like if Amazon, as much as it sucks, like replaces them with robots, then they have less to deal with in terms of HR. It also brings up this idea that Marquez talked about a while ago about how like when people picture robots, they often picture like a human robot, like two legs, two arms, that type of thing. But how like Most robots actually are like very specific shapes for one specific function and how that's a lot more practical than having like one human sized robot that can kind of do things efficiently. It's better to have like one robot that's excellent at one task.
0: Well, that kind of goes into the argument of like, would you rather be a jack of all trades or a specialist in one specific area? Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know. Actually, I'll pose this question to you, Jack. I'm like, what what would you rather be a jack of all trades or a master? So would you rather be a master of none? or an expert in one?
1: Oh God, that, dude, this is funny because I think about this actually with YouTube. Like I kind of feel like being a YouTuber is being a jack of all trades, but a master of none, right? Like yeah. you're like, you can you can host, you can edit, you can, you're good at audio, you're good at like community building, you're good at business, but you're not like the best editor ever. You're not like the best host ever or like the best business person ever. But like the fact that you have all these skills is unique and that's what creates your X factor. And so I think I'd rather be, a jack of all trades, but a master of none. But that is actually definitely something that like on a more like fundamental, vulnerable level, like that is something that I actually struggle with. Like I think it would be really cool to be an expert at one thing, but I definitely don't think I am.
0: Yeah. See like that, that's kind of where I stand too. Like I would love to be an expert in one thing, but I've kind of come to realize and accept the fact that I'm going to be a master of just one, say a master of none rather than a master of one. Like I don't think I'll ever have the patience or the mindset to want to only be mastering in one thing. And I mean, if you do look at it from another perspective too, like Jack and I would say that you are an expert in technology, you are a, tech, you are a technology journalist. So thank in you, one aspect you. of that, you are an expert in one thing, but it's, it, I do know what you mean, like in the feeling of like, you feel like you kind of fit into multiple different facets, but you're not the best at any of them, but you do know how to kind of play with and go about doing each, every, each and every section.
1: I think you're right. I think that is something that I also think like, I think kind of like when you're a master of one, basically that means that you're a really excellent employee. Like you're hireable, right? Like, if you're like a master editor, then like someone will hire you to do that. But I think when you're a jack of all trades, that's like the characteristic that a founder has.
0: Yeah. Like, I would say the same because you have to be able to actually, when you're starting up something, you have to be able to sit down as an individual and kind of go and do every single aspect of the business rather than just do one piece of it. Like, instead of just being an accountant, you're an accountant, but you're also HR, but you're also operations, you're also marketing. So you're kind of jumping between all these different facets of the business itself. And then when you look at YouTubers or influencers, you're doing all of that in the business realm, but then you're also looking at the content creation side of things. You're doing the hosting, the editing, the audio, as you're all say, as you were saying before. So it's interesting. I feel like it is an interesting question to pose, and actually, I I do pose this to everyone who is listening. If you, what what would you rather be? Would you rather be a master of one or a master of none? Just tweet us at Digital dive button.
1: That's um actually a really good question, and I think that on that note, maybe we'll take a quick break here. You could get a coffee, tweet us, etc., And then we come back. We're going to talk about Fitbit Sleep Animals and Apple MacBook Pro. Like the reviews are kind of out. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then one special topic that I'm not going to reveal yet, but it's like the most exciting one of the whole episode.
0: righty, right. We'll be right back.
1: back from the break, everyone. Fitbit. This is a company that we've actually talked about before on the podcast. I feel like they come up a lot because Darsh and I are into like sleep tracking and fitness and stuff. And so they're launching a new sleep profile feature for premium users that is going to categorize users based on six different animal characters. And so it's going to use like 10 different sleep metrics. And then doing that is going to help categorize it. So people with the dolphin sleep animal tend to go to bed at variable times. They go to sleep late and then take a lot of naps. But when they do sleep, it's restful. That to me just seems like so random. I don't know. Why. They, they they said that people love to be categorized and so they think it's just a really cool, fun way to kind of identify people. It's like their main, the main take.
0: Honestly, that's pretty fair. Like, so like the way that they want to set this up is more so similar to that of like the Samsung Galaxy Watch 4 and their sleep coaching program, where they're actually going to analyze your sleep patterns, give you a category in where you're in, and then they're going to use that as an opportunity to teach you or kind of guide you into better sleep patterns over time. I think this actually could be very, very interesting. And the way that they've been building out this feature, the research team looked at a month's worth of sleep data from around sixty thousand users to create these different profiles. So these are actually based on like real time, like real world data. So it's not just like they're using AI to to just do it. It's like no, like these have been like crafted and figured out um, so that every person can fit into one of these sections so that they can better their sleep. Which I think is actually a pretty cool new feature.
1: I agree, and I think I think that they're right that people do like to be categorized. Like, oh, and I absolutely. think it's much, it's kind of similar to aura rings, like sleep score, where like, they'll tell you out of a hundred what you're sleeping. It's like a way to easily compare yourself to other people. So the different animals are a giraffe, a bear, a dolphin, a hedgehog, a parrot, and a tortoise. The parrot supposedly tends to have a consistent bedtime. I wonder like how they figured out like what animal goes with what, like if they actually based it off of those animal sleep patterns.
0: I think so. Because the way that they were saying like dolphins, because I know that like, For example, if there's like a shark one, for example, like sharks are always moving forward, right? Like never back. So like different like characteristics of these different animals. So I imagine that like what they're saying with the dolphins sleep patterns, it's dolphin, like it's people with dolphins sleep animals tend to go to bed at variable time, go to sleep late and take lots of naps. Maybe that's what dolphins do. They sleep later at night and they take more naps during the day.
1: Do you think so though? Like maybe, I guess we have to look that up. But a parrot, does a parrot go to bed at consistent time every night?
0: I don't know. I've never had a parrot. (laughs)
1: no i've never had a parrot dude i actually i have a gripe against birds really yeah they actually kind of scare me not gonna lie like if i'm ever walking on the street and like a seagull comes by or something it it, gets me
0: funny enough actually one of my cousins he just got engaged and we went over to meet like the fiance and her family and when we went to their house for dinner like they introduced us to their parrot and they had uh they had a parrot in a huge cage and like they were talking to us about the parrot Parrot like to cuddle. Parrot like to hang what? out with them. Like, like constantly <laughs> so we singing. Like, all this, <laughs> I was like, I had no idea a parrot was this loving. Like, I didn't think birds were loving at all. I thought birds were just kind of like insects, but just big. Like, yeah, these like huge flying creatures that kind of don't give a don't give a poop about what you're doing, what's going on with you. So interesting.
1: That is, yeah, you know, when I was younger, like I was on a beach and I got attacked by a seagull, and so <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is why. I have this like irrational fear of birds, but I just looked it up online and I don't see anything about them going to bed at a consistent time. So I don't know. Listeners, let us know. Bottom line, this is cool. I think sleep tracking is really becoming like a buzzword, but also like an actual useful feature because sleep genuinely affects our health long term and short term in a million different ways, like lowering your risk of dementia and Alzheimer's long term. And then the short term, like you remember things better. Your immune system is better, so I think it's actually like having the data on it empowers you to then make better decisions.
0: Yeah, it's actually crazy. The way that this kind of works is you're taking five already existing features in the sleep profile app, like in the Fitbit app, that are under sleep profile, like sleep duration and REM sleep, and then there are five new ones that are now being added to the sleep profile, which are going to include things like bedtime consistency, days with naps, and time before sound sleep. And this is actually all parts of like different aspects of your sleep. Like I was doing a lot of research into like bettering my sleep, and I. I did look into more so like the idea of there is the consistency aspect behind it because your body is running on its own internal clock. So, the more time you like, the more times, the more days that you set yourself going to bed at different times, your body isn't accustomed to or aware of like this is bedtime. So, like, yeah, like one way to trigger this, for example, be starting doing a bedtime routine before you go to bed, like wash your face, brush your teeth, like all these different things right before bed. And then it triggers you to be like, okay, now it's time to go to sleep. Interesting. It, it's a very interesting thing. So like when Fitbit's looking at all these different aspects, like I actually understand kind of where the science comes from, from it, or like where like these, I guess, understandings have come from. And I'm actually, I'd be pretty excited to see how this works. I personally haven't used like a sleep tracker very often. I used to use my Apple watch a bit, but it gets so clunky at night. It's kind of annoying. I feel like a Fitbit, especially with how small profile it is, like it could be a very good sleep tracker.
1: Yeah. I think Fitbit is like one of the best fitness trackers on the market. Um, And I think the other thing that gives them like a good advantage is that their battery life lasts a long time. Like with the Apple watch with sleep tracking, if you use it overnight, then you have to make sure that you charge it before you start the rest of your day because it doesn't have like a multi-day long battery life.
0: Yeah. Well, also on top of that too, like you can look at it as well from like the perspective of now, like it's a new company like Fitbit. And Pebble were both bought out by Google. Like, no, Fitbit bought out Pebble and then Google bought out Fitbit. So the way that this like, this kind of all plays out a little bit more is like you look at it, you're like, okay, like Fitbit is now with Google and that like, they're actually doing more for sleep tracking. Like they're actually, like you have the full power of like Google's UX, UI design team, their whole coding staff to like build out this really, really good sleep, tracking sleep profiles and all these different sleep features, which I think is going to be very, very beneficial to everyone who's actually interested in tracking their sleep like that.
1: I totally agree with you. Yeah, I'm actually, I think like, health tracking in general and like being like more in tune with like what you're actually like what your body's doing and how you're feeling is actually going to be a big deal for the next decade. Another thing that I think is going to be a big deal for the next decade is Apple's custom chips, right? The M1, the M2 at the WWDC, the new MacBook Pro 13 inch, the Verge just posted their review of it. And their like tagline is Apple has put a 2022 CPU and a 2016 computer, which I think is a bold take, but the 13 inch M2 MacBook Pro starts at a $1,300. You get an eight core CPU with a 10 core GPU, eight gigabytes of memory, and then 256 gigabytes of SSD storage. That's like not great specs aside from the M2, to be honest, like eight gigs of RAM. And I feel like 256 gigs of storage is not that
0: much. Oh yeah. Like buying an M2 MacBook Pro right now is kind of not a good idea. Like if you're gonna buy an M2 MacBook Pro, you're better off saving some money, getting the MacBook Air, because at least that had a whole new design overhaul this year, and you're actually looking at like pretty good specs. Like you're getting a better screen now; it has the notch, uh, which I don't know if some people are hit or miss with. I personally am pretty excited about it after having seen it in person. Really? Yeah. Like I, I played with one of uh, my buddy's like new MacBook Pros, and I actually really did like the notch because in everyday use, like your control bar is just hidden up there, and so it's it's hidden in this notch now, so it gives you that extra real estate for everything else that you're doing on your screen and then where the notch would be um like in that line where the bezel used to be that's where all of your like taskbar controls are so like i got used to it pretty quickly when i was just playing around with it and the new macbook air 2 is also thinner comes in new colors and it also has like a better webcam and and has magsafe all these new features that we've been wanting for a while i don't see the purpose behind a base model macbook pro anymore like this where you're gonna the only good or like the actual benefit of going to it is you get a fan. That's literally it. Do
1: you think that's the only difference between that and the MacBook Pro?
0: Well, MacBook Air, like, like the MacBook Pro has a fan the MacBook Air doesn't. And then otherwise, the internals are fairly similar. Like the M2 is slightly more spec'd up on the MacBook Pro. But for the most part, in terms of power performance, like for most people, like people still have the notion of like maybe 10 years ago. When the MacBook Air started coming out for the first time, and actually it's crazy to say 10 years ago, but when it started coming out for the first time 10 years ago, it didn't offer nearly as much power as the Pro did. But now these two levels have been kind of merged together where like the base model MacBook Pro and a MacBook Air are like fairly similar and comparable in terms of power. Like I was talking to my brother about it and he was like, I could absolutely get a MacBook Air and do everything I need to do on it. Um, The only reason he doesn't want it is because it doesn't have, I don't, I don't believe it has two 6K monitor support. That's like, that's one benefit of the pro. Mm-hmm. But for most people who go, who usually go and buy the pro because they think it's going to be better for school or like, it's going to give you more power. It's going to last longer. Like the air does everything that the pro does. It just doesn't have a fan in it. So you're not going to be doing like very, very graphic intensive things. So if you want to like edit like basic edits, the air is fine. If you want your heavy editing, the MacBook pro baseline probably isn't even the way you want to go. You'd want to probably go for the studio or for last generation's MacBook Pro, like the M1 Pro and the M1 Max, because those are going to offer you more power.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly, like I think the spec up MacBook Pro 13-inch is a good investment, right? Like if I were to get this, I would get 24 gigabytes of RAM and one terabyte of storage. And then that already puts you at $2,000. But also like, honestly, if I would get a 16-inch because I think that like, if you're serious about video editing, 16-inch probably makes more sense than a 13. But if you really care about the portability, then like completely specking this up, Makes sense, kind of, but I think that it's like it's it is a tough call because honestly, like they probably will update some higher end models over the next year or so. And like for example, like the Pro 14 inch I think is a much better investment.
0: Well, that's the thing, right? This is a Pro 13 inch, so you're looking at the same chassis you've been we've been having since maybe 2016 uh, when they did the whole refresh. So you're looking at the 2016 chassis of the MacBook Pro with just new internals. So like that's kind of why I understand why they're saying it's a. It's a 2022 CPU and a 2016 computer because it's the exact same build as every year prior before it. So it's not even like the new generation of the 14 inch. So like I personally with the Apple MacBook Pro, like the the base model, I don't think that I would personally recommend it to too many people. I would say just wait for the M2 Pro and the M2 Max to come out in the upgraded 14 inch MacBook Pro.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that if you want to edit, the 14 inch makes a lot more sense than the 13 because it's not really that much bigger. So it's not like it hurts you portability wise, but you'll get more power.
0: Yeah, you'll get more power, but also like you're not even just going to get that. You're going to get an upgraded webcam. You're going to get a new design and you're going to get multiple ports. You're not just going to get these two USB-C. You're also going to get MagSafe and you're going to get HDMI back, SD card slots. Um, You're also getting like the whole new redesign from last year too with the with a thicker body and the better screen. Like there's all these good new point. aspects from last year where I feel like this was kind of just like a cop-out. It was like, do you remember when the MacBook Pro came out, like the MacBook Pro Retina? And then the old MacBook Pro was just kind of there for anyone who didn't care to get the newest one. They just wanted to get a pro so they could say they had a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pro. It's, it's like that. It's like, it's like, hey, look, like, here's a pro. So if you want to buy it, you can get it, but it's still not gonna be as good as the new pros that are gonna come out later this year. It's just kind of like this is the budget pro option. But if you're going to compare Budget Pro to the Air, you should just go with the Air because you're going to save a couple hundred bucks and odds are what you need the computer for, the Air will do just fine.
1: That is a very good take. I agree with you. It's interesting too, because have you been like seeing this stuff on Twitter about like tech YouTube being down and like views not being as high? No. Okay. So there's like this whole thing going on right now where people are saying that like the era of tech YouTube is over, which I don't think so. I just think people need to be more innovative with storytelling, but- I will say that this like MacBook Pro obviously is like not a super exciting device, but the content on it has not been doing that well. And so I think that that also just speaks to people not being super interested in it.
0: Well, yeah, because at this point too, like if you're going to look at the MacBook Pro and you're going to look at the MacBook Air, the Air is thinner, it looks cooler, it's recently upgraded and it has MagSafe. You're going to go for the Pro, you're going to lose MagSafe, you're only going to have two ports when the Air has two ports and MagSafe, so you get an extra port there. The new Air also has a better display. And now has an upgraded webcam for in this generation, like we need better webcams because like though COVID may be tapering out in different parts of the world and like people are starting to enter back into the workforce in person, there are still a lot of people who are still online. And I think there are a lot of companies that are gonna maintain that online like work from home kind of thing, like at least in like a hybrid model for the next couple of years. So having a proper set of webcams are very important now. And not everyone's gonna want to strap their iPhone to their MacBook just to like just to make like use a webcam. Like you're just going to want to have a good one built in at that point.
1: Totally. Yes, I agree. This is like not a super interesting back and forth because like we both did the same exact take. But I think we may have different takes on the Nothing Phone 1, which is the last topic before we get into stuff we like this week. Plus we, we do have an announcement at the end of the episode. But the Nothing Phone 1 is not coming to the US.
0: Yep. It's going to have a limited devi- a limited number of devices that will be distributed to a community to community investors in the country as part of a closed beta. So that's going to be kind of interesting. Like I was actually really excited for the... The Nothing Phone, but can we also just quickly talk about how similar this looks to the iPhone?
1: So similar. I mean, obviously it's the transparency and it has like the LED, so like that's different. But the core design is so similar.
0: It looks like the iPhone 10 and the iPhone 12 had a baby. Yeah, like dual cameras in a portrait orientation, but it's squared off and has aluminum rails like the iPhone 12 or 13. But like the LED thing in the back also kind of looks like MagSafe too. Yep, that's true. Actually, it's funny though because. I think there's actually a really smart move on nothing's part. Why? Well, for the mass, vast majority of individuals who are going out to go buy a new phone, right? Like you go into a store and you see this phone and you're like, maybe you're impartial between Android and iOS and you go sit down and you're like, oh wow, this phone looks like an iPhone, but it looks cooler. Like it has a see-through back.
1: That's valid. I can see that.
0: And it's like, oh, look, I kind of like Android. I'm not, I'm not sold into either ecosystem. I'm down to try it. It kind of just stands out a bit. And also because they're launching in Europe too, Europe is a predominantly like, iOS doesn't have the same market share as Android does in Europe and in Asia.
1: That is true. And, and and they said that they have like connections with wireless networks to like get the product in like the hands of people in the UK uh, specifically, which I think is a big deal. Like that's one of the most important things to get like a product off the ground. What did you think about the initial coverage? So obviously they only let people like show the back of the phone, but what'd you think?
0: I actually haven't seen too much coverage of the nothing phone. I'm kind of waiting for like a full review that I can go watch and see like everything about the phone. Because I also want to see how Nothing OS kind of pans out a bit too.
1: Yes, I think that that's going to be like the biggest, the biggest thing.
0: Like, I think that's going to be a huge thing, and also I feel like Nothing comes in with a value proposition similar to that of like OnePlus, where it's like almost stock Android, but has a couple of extra features skinned on top, just from like their own kind of needs and necessities, like what they want to include. So I think this could actually be really, really cool, and I'm I'm actually just very excited to see more press on exactly how the Nothing phone goes out and like how it works, and hopefully, I mean, Jacqueline. you know, if you hit up Carl Pay, maybe maybe you'll get to play with a nothing phone at some and You can report back on the podcast. Let us know what you think.
1: Yeah, that would be sick. I would love to do that. I'm excited though. I think like breaking into a new market is hard. I think that they may struggle to get significant market share for the first device, but I hope that they stick with it and they have enough money to actually like keep going because I think that we do need more competition in the smartphone space. Right now, there are only a couple players and it would be nice to have more back. Like when it wasn't, it was 2015.
0: Yeah. Like I feel like we we've been in a very, very slow innovation. Like our innovation curve has kind of plateaued a bit in terms of the mobile market. And so I would be very, very interested to see in like how nothing actually plays in and hopefully actually inspires and evokes some new innovation in the space.
1: Me too. On that note, dude, do you think, should we announce what is happening for this upcoming month? I think we should.
0: I think so. I, th- I think it's about time.
1: All right. We are taking the month of July off, which, um... I think we'll be maybe a little disappointing to you guys, so I'm sorry if it is. We are taking this month to really work on the content, to plan some really fun episodes for August, and then we'll be back to our normal schedule. But for the month of July, we will still be active on our Twitter and stuff, and we'll still obviously like be here. But, George, you want to expand a little more? We're, we're basically just like going gonna to work on making the best content possible this next month.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, like this next month, we want to take some time to kind of like plan out and make some really, really amazing content for you guys set up for August. Uh, So, this will be the last episode for um, this next four week period. And then we'll be back on August 1st, um, which will be the Monday, as usual, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern, with a brand new episode for you guys that I really do hope you enjoyed. And hopefully, we can get out some really, really cool content set for this next couple of months before the end of the year comes wrapping around. So, I'm very excited for it. I know Jack and I have a lot of plans uh for this month, things that we need to discuss, things we wanted to get done. I'm really hoping that you guys are as excited as we are for this next evolution, evolutionary stage of the digital dive podcast.
1: Yeah. So this year we've produced twenty six episodes and we're halfway through the year, right? So does that mean I feel like that means we have not skipped a week.
0: Yeah, I think we've been pretty consistent most of this year. Every time that we've had a week where we wanted it, where like we one of us wasn't available, we just did a solo episode instead. And I feel like those have been panning out quite well as well. Yeah, so, this is
1: week twenty five right now that we're on. And we're, yeah, so I think that means we've posted literally every single week this year, which is crazy. Yep.
0: That's insane. Wow. So I think the break is definitely well-deserved for a little bit while we figure out some cool content to come back with you guys with. And I hope that it's something that you guys like this week. And with that in mind, Jacqueline, I'm gonna throw it to you. Give me something you like this week. Let's start off with some stuff we like this week.
1: Yeah, okay. So I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast, but if I have, my love has grown for it even more. Ryan Trehan's Penny Series genuinely makes my day like I am watching it every single morning it's part of my routine now I think he's so smart I think conceptual vlogging is going to be a big thing on YouTube and I I just love every part of it like the fact that it's raising money for Feeding America the personal vlog style mixed with like the stakes of like he has to get to Mr. Beast in 30 days the format of it the way that they're doing it in real time, I think everything about it is like ironclad.
0: Honestly, that's I actually have to sit down and watch it. I've been kind of slacking with my YouTube content. You haven't watched it yet? I have. I've been slacking with YouTube. I haven't been watching much. I've been been binging a lot of Shameless, which I I, I did do as the stuff I liked this week a couple of weeks ago. Okay. I'm still binging it, and I'm almost done, which is pretty surprising because it's 11 seasons. But okay. I, I definitely have to sit down and watch some more YouTube. Get back into into all the tech, but also check out Ryan Trayon because like you've been talking about him for quite a while.
1: I think you definitely should.
0: Absolutely. I definitely, definitely will. I'm going to take off with one for this week. It's actually a show I was watching last night. I just started it as well. It's a, it's a Korean drama on Netflix called Sweet Home. Okay. And it's uh it, it's, it's a little more horror based. It's kind of like Squid Game in the fact that it's like a very serious drama, but it's also based around some like kind of creepy stuff. So it's about like, from my understanding of it so far, I've only, I'm only one episode in, but it's like, it, like you as a person, if you have this like, desire that kind of turns into like greed it becomes this evil part of your brain which turns you into a monster and once you turn into a monster there's no returning and with with this greed this desire you're just constantly hungry for more and more and more i thought it was a really cool metaphor but on top of that also like the the show is like extremely well produced it's like the same quality if not better than squid game in terms of the production value so it definitely caught my attention i watched squid game all with an english dub in it which i kind of regret i wish i watched in the actual korean and had the subtitles so with this one i'm actually watching it in korean with the subtitles and it's 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 pretty amazing. Like how everything kind of plays out. It's, it's awesome. I'd actually highly recommend it to anyone who's kind of into that horror kind of creepier realm of entertainment.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's an awesome rec. Yeah. I, um, I can't do that because I get freaked out way too easily, but I bet a lot of our audience will be aligned with you. Like I never watched the game. I tried. I literally could not make it past the first episode.
0: It, it gets pretty dark. Like I, I don't blame you. Like there's a lot of, a lot of friends of mine who literally haven't been able to watch it. Cause it's just a little too much.
1: Yeah, like it was like so graphic, and like I don't, I just felt sad for all the characters. I feel like when you're watching something like that, you need like a level of like cognitive dissonance, so like you don't get upset, or you need to like fully let yourself feel it. Either way, but my next one for this week, I think you said you like country music, darks, right? Absolutely. Okay, so I've been listening to a lot of Luke Combs lately. Okay, okay, pretty good. The one of his songs, I think Hurricane is really good. It's off his album This One's for You Too. So he's like made up a majority of my playlist this week.
0: I actually really, really, I, I admire that. Uh, if you ever want a sad song by Luke Combs, Beautiful Crazy, just hits different.
1: Oh, I love that song. Yeah. yeah oh my God. It's
0: such a sad song, so good. It it's so nice. Highly, Agreed. highly recommend it. Agreed. No, it's awesome.
1: What's your next
0: one? I don't know what genre of music I've been listening to lately, but I've been really vibing with it for the summer. But I do actually, this is actually what I'm going to jump into first. My next one for this week is actually Spotify in specific. It's kind of in relation to a story we talked about at the beginning of this year where. Spotify was going to start rolling out AI based like playlists that kind of based around your mood, where it's like analyzing what kind of listen, what kind of music you listen to in different moods. And it creates a playlist with a bunch of music and suggestions for you. Oh, wow. So I actually had one called Moody Mix, which is a playlist I started listening to. And it's pretty much all my it's pretty much like a new sad playlist for me that I haven't I haven't actually taken a lot of time to like rebuild out a sad playlist. And so it kind of just did it for me. And I really appreciated it. But it was actually really cool to see how the technology was actually working and how it actually was implemented here. And I found like a use case in my own life.
1: How does it like, what does it do?
0: So, effectively, what it does, it'll set up so that it takes like different music that you listen to, it'll analyze it and kind of create it into its own playlist. Like, it's like one of those suggested playlists, like daily mixes, but it actually is based more on like your mood. So, like a moody, mine is called Moody Mix, and it's meant for when I'm kind of moody and like I'm not really in like, Mm. I'm, I'm not really like upbeat and energetic as I am. So, it's more for when I'm in that kind of mood. So, These are like different mood playlists that are supposed to playlists that are supposed to start appearing in your feeds. And if it does, I actually highly recommend you guys check them out. Like the mixes for me have been pretty fantastic so far. I've been finding a lot of really good new music.
1: That is actually really awesome. I, cause there are also times where I like, I want like a really like hype up playlist. I know that would be nice to have to, you know, my last one for this week relates to that. There's a song called Oxytocin by Billie Eilish that is like so good and very hype. And I listen to it like when I'm walking and I feel like a main character. So that is my last one for this week.
0: Alrighty, my last one for this week is Ginger by WizKid and Burna Boy. It's a song on Spotify. I've really enjoyed it. It's just kind of upbeat and like very summery. I really like it. So I recommend that to you all. And with that being said, I think that's the end of this episode. So before we do go, I want to give a huge shout out to Adil Constantine, as always, for the amazing intro and outro music. I also want to give a huge shout out to all of you guys who are here to the end of the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. And if you did, make sure to go drop out a review down below in Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. It always is much appreciated. Jacqueline, any final words?
1: Yeah, we're going to miss you for the next four weeks. We'll be back August 1st. Can't wait. Please stay in touch with us though. Tweet us on Twitter, Digital Dive Pod. And also if you're in the Discord, that works too. But we're so excited for the plans that we have for this month and to be back full steam in August.
0: It's going to be a good time. Excited to see you guys August 1st, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern.
1: Peace.